Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only podcast that would have no problem getting into a nightclub if its dress code uh, prevented you from wearing any funkin into the club, just as long as there was no monkin that was banned. I'm going to go with Jake Christie, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? I'm good, man. I think you were trying to use that one last time, and you uh, fumbled the bag. I actually it familiar. didn't. I actually didn't try to use it last time, but I have tried something similar in the past. Okay, that's what it was. Yes, um, I've tried many things before. I, at some point, I'm going to recycle these. There's only so many different phrases in the world that use the word, like, no, and then something, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But thankfully, we only have two seasons left. Speaking of which, we're starting season seven. Mr. Monk buys a house. How do you feel? You know, um, I actually just looked at a new apartment today. Hopefully, we'll be moving at some time in July. So it was very Very fortuitous. exciting. Yeah. Uh, the, but you do know the great thing about an apartment is you don't have to worry about all this shit, you know? Exactly. That's what I was trying to like explain. I'm just like, yeah, no. And buying yeah. a house in LA is good, is a fucking money pit. Exactly. It like the film The Money Pit, starring Tom Hanks and Shelley uh, Long. A movie I haven't seen, but I know it's a movie. Okay, thank you for that. I mean, it's you know, it's a movie. It was like Tom Hanks before, and he was still like just a comedy guy. You know how it is. You remember? I, th- you, I mean, you don't remember that. You weren't alive for that, but you know the concept. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we start off with uh, a nurse named Cassie, who is the nurse for a really old guy named, uh, what is it? Joseph, Joseph Mooney. Joseph Mooney. And she's talking to one of Joseph's like family members about how he just started a new medication, um, which, you know, uh, it happens. that happens all the time with old people. Yeah, you know, cycling through. And uh, speaking of cycles, our man, Joseph Mooney, is confined to a wheelchair. So obviously he requires a lot of care. That's the reason. Yes. And he's talking in circles, uh, like just right. saying absolutely random shit. Um, and Gregory we lo- Peck having a hat. Exactly that, and we learned that from Cassie's phone call that the family, her, his niece, is uh, about forty minutes away and is going to be visiting. So, um, you know, she Cassie goes over to Joseph and is trying to get some type of information about him uh, out of him about nineteen sixty eight in the Hampton Street Depository, but. Joseph can't focus. He's talking about how he once had a neighbor whose last name was Neighbors, who had a crab apple tree. Um, he's looking for his hat, and yes, he said that he can't find the hat. Gregory Peck, what was that movie that he wore a hat? Um, Wasn't it every movie? I mean, or is he talking about To Kill a Mockingbird? Does he wear a hat in To Kill a Mockingbird? That's the only Gregory Peck movie I've seen from start to finish. Don't. He's like me. a lawyer, so I think he does. No, I don't think he wears a hat. At least not in the important parts. Um, okay. Yeah, you can't but, wear it in court. Yeah, no, not even, yeah. The South Courts were weird, but they, they definitely didn't let you uh, wear a hat. Um, and uh, apparently there was a neighbor who knew karate. I do love the line, take a guess if she knew karate. Yes, she knew karate. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. what does she do? As he's rambling on, what is his nurse doing? She's like, uh, she's, what, she's like slowly losing his, her patience with them. Um... And, and, and then what's the action she starts to do as he, as oh, yeah. she's not going to get anything. Right, uh... Well, I don't know what leads to her that. What is it? Well, no, it's just that she realizes that he's she's not going to get any information. Oh, right, yeah. So she starts she starts wheeling him up the stairs, and, you know, about halfway through, he starts to panic because he's like, whoa, 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 like, he, you know, he's not in his right mind, but at the same time, he knows he shouldn't be going up there. Mm-hmm. I believe he even mentions, like, he never goes upstairs? Is that yeah, what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which makes sense because he's uh, confined to a wheelchair. Um, he can walk, though, a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they get up to the top of the stairs and she then like removes like the leg rest from the wheelchair and pushes him down the stairs. And, uh, you know, he tries to fight as much as he can, but he's 89 years old 
And um, 89 years old, famously, 89-year-olds are famously not very strong, so he loses and uh, he dies. Yeah, he breaks his neck, apparently. Yeah. Honestly, very... I'll say this. Elderly people with abusive nurses in the pantheon of the most down-bad people in the world, honestly. Like, there's real... Not much you can do. It's a tale as old as time. Um, I feel like, for whatever reason, I a lot of movies I've watched recently or media have had to do with, like, caregivers. Um, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's not a funny subject, but elder abuse is incredibly common. Like, I mean, but oh, it's, absolutely. like, a really easy thing to do. It's because, like, what are you going to do? Uh, like, you just saw, like, this, you know, tiny woman just murdered a man really easily. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, they yeah. get taken advantage of a lot. Anyways. Exactly. And so we then cut to a little girl playing piano. Um, and, uh, her, te- her mother, or te- it's unclear if it's her mother or a teacher, I don't really know. I think um, it's her mother. I think it's her mother, too, but it is kind of weird, like, just keep playing, like, that kind of seems like something a teacher would say, as opposed to her mother, a mother would be like, wait, I don't know, I, I, I'm, Unless I, her mother is a piano teacher. That is true, she might be. Um, that would explain why she's, the girl's playing the same song day and night. Um. Right. And, but and the she's cops not playing there. Day and Night by Kid Cudi. No, she's not. Um, yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, and Monk is, does not get to free his mind tonight. But no, uh, who shows up at their door? The Lonely Stoner. Um, no, uh, the cops show up, and uh, apparently they've got a noise complaint, and you know the lady mentions, like, oh, who was it? Was it the same person last time? And yeah, they. I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to say it, but they definitely say that it was the same person as yeah. before. Yeah, they're not supposed to, but clearly there actually is no noise. So, like... And they're the, irritated the, the with actu- it, too? The actual problem, like, the, and the main crime being committed is uh, submitting a false complaint, because it just isn't a noise problem. Right, correct. But like, speaking of night, uh, day and night, I remember during a road trip once, we, uh, me and my brothers, I forget exactly, we were coming up with a bunch of different fake parodies of using the word bidet instead of the word day, and so bidet and night, it was funny. I don't remember exactly what we got the rest of it was, but... Um, there's that it's bidet. It's a beautiful bidet. Uh, there's there the fake soap opera called Bidets of Our Lives. Um, bidets and Confused. We it was you know it was a, it was a big run we had. Um, it was a car trip from Disney to back home, and so that's about two and a half three hours of bidet jokes. But bidet night was probably my favorite one. Um, okay. Oh no! You know actually the best one was the bidet bed. You know a day bed, right? Like it's like yeah, of course. It's what if there was a day bed that had a part where it shot water. <laughs> Damn, you didn't watch, uh, what's it called? It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but there's one where Charlie writes a musical uh, called The Day Man. So I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. The Bidet Man. The Bidet Man. I mean, bidets are great. I'm a big fan of bidets. Um, you know, and people are like, well, and I think people try to like elegant up why a bidet is good. It's like, it's better to clean. It's like, no, it just is, it's nice to have water shut up your ass. Like, it's, it's, that's a nice feeling, you know? That's why it's good. Um, let's not sugarcoat it, you know? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, this is why they call me Honest Jake. Um, In, anyway. Insert cuck joke. <laughs> yeah, insert cuck. Honestly, that's fine. I can live with that. Um, so, Monk, you, we got, quickly learned that Monk is the guy calling the complaints, and he's mad that the cops aren't arresting this woman. Because um, he apparently can hear this piano, even though it's clear you can't actually hear it in his apartment, really. Right, yeah, we can't hear that, but clearly this isn't what's really bothering him. Because um, now we have official confirmation that Dr. Charles Kroger... He's not with us anymore. He's gone. Yeah. yeah, sad stuff. Obviously, Stanley Rest in Campbell peace, Stanley Campbell. Um, cheers. Yeah. I don't have... Excuse me. I don't have any alcohol with me, and it's impolite to cheers with non-alcoholic beverage, so I'm not going to. But... Um, All right. 
I mean, hey, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to be impolite to, to Stanley Campbell's memory. But yeah, because okay. Monk basically says, like, he tried, he reached for the phone to call Dr. Kroger, and he left two messages, but, you know, he's gone. And apparently Monk saw him the day before he had the heart attack. Um, and, you know, it's tragic stuff. You know, this, he was a pillar in Monk's life. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, we've been through 93, 92 episodes. I don't know. I'm not Something like that. Um, no, well, it depends on when the 100th episode, because that's coming up soon, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's been, like, one of the constants on the show, and um, I honestly really loved him a lot, and I feel, mm-hmm. like, really sad about it, actually, in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, he really was one of the best parts of the show, uh, and it is sad to lose him in the context of the show and for Monk. Um, and Natalie's trying to get him to get a new therapist, which... You know, obviously, you don't want to seem like you're moving on too quickly, but Monk does need a therapist. You know, uh, therapists are not like girlfriends. Where like you need, it's not like give yourself some time to be alone. It's like no, no, no. You should still have a therapist, um, unless your girlfriend is your therapist, which is a, a definitely a massive ethics violation. Um, is it? No. I mean, like, what if like she's going to school for it? Oh well, no. Okay, if she's and if she becomes one, not like you start dating your therapist. No, no, no. no. Meaning that, like, is she actually like in a professional capacity your therapist, or do you just talk to her through your problems? No, like she's also a therapist. No, 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 no. no, But to you, like, are you getting professional? Like, are you paying her or? No, absolutely not. Okay, then, then that's that's fine. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh. Natalie's like, what about Dr. Beecham? But apparently the chairs in Dr. Beecham's waiting room were too low. And what about the one you saw yesterday? And I love Tony Shalhoub's delivery of, eye patch! <laughs> okay, so are we to surmise that there are two therapists in San Francisco with an eye patch? Or was it just the retread of the first one? What do you mean? There was none. What, the only eye patch, there was one missing an arm. He didn't have an eye patch. Oh, it was the arm. Yeah, yeah, it was the arm. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chats <laughs> the that one arm. The one arm man. Yes, he, he, after he killed uh, Dr. Richard Kimball's wife, he what became a therapist in San Francisco. Um, anyway, not uh, too not too dissimilar from the Dexter reboot, I would guess. Mm, I'll take your word for it. And so <laughs> Monk starts, you know, ye- uh, yelling out the window, "Give us a break, etc." Um, and then he shuts it, and then he cuts to the station because Monk he needs to get out of the house, so he's looking at old case files. Yeah, case files, uh, you know, he needs to distract his mind, and, you know, for whatever reason, it appears that this is the safest week on the streets of San Francisco, because usually it's, like, gangbusters. Everyone's getting murdered. Uh, you um, know. Mistresses running amok all over town. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so while this is all going on, you know, we start to get some nautical speak. and mm-hmm. uh, As, as the be? Spongebob theme song would call it, nautical nonsense. Correct. But why? Uh, it's basically Stoudemire, apparently... In true uh, midlife crisis cop mm-hmm. form, is uh, he's buying a boat next week. So now, do you he's know what studying the, for the you, maritime. Now, growing up in Florida, I know a lot of stuff about not actually about how boats work, but a lot about boat culture. There's, you know, like every type of subculture has like the, jo- like the the joke that everyone tells. Do have you ever heard the joke of what the two best days of a boat owner's life are? Of a boat what? A life? boat owner's life. What are the two best days? The day he buys the boat and the day he dies? No, the day he buys the boat and the day he sells the boat. Oh, okay. Because basically the thing is, everyone who ever buys a boat, they'll immediately want to sell it. Because it sucks to own a boat. It's so much upkeep. You have to pay for it just to like be in a parking lot. It's just miserable. Unless like unless you literally live on the water, you have to pay a ton of money. Just Does your dad own a boat? No, my dad doesn't own a boat. No. I mean, what do you think? I made of money? Um, 
No, we probably could own a cheap one, but it just we never. That's never really our thing. Um, and also, like if you have if you, if you have a couple friends who own boats, it's fine. And also, there's a place right near where my parents live. Not right near, but pretty close to it, where you can rent a boat for you know for a day. And like that's always and it's but it's and it's a super easy to like to steer boat. But yeah, the amount of money like my uncle has a sailboat, and the amount of money that you sink in, and it's like you and you only take it out like ten times a year. Just talk about money pits. Yes, a boat. Don't buy a boat unless you're really rich and you can get someone else pay, like do everything for it. Don't own a boat, but or unless you want to murder someone's wife. Yes, ex- honestly, yes. That if or if you want uh, Natalie Wood to quote fall overboard. Um, right. So we learned that Stalmeyer already knows Morse code because his two kids were Boy Scouts, um, and which so is impressive to me. I didn't think that they would actually teach you Morse code. I know that um, that you. I know you learned it from your Eagle Scout. Actually, let me just confirm that. I need to. I have to text my friend. To I know they know how to like tie like a, a million knots, but uh, that's about it. Um, sorry, I'm I'm texting my friend. Did you learn Morse code and the Scouts? Because I have one friend who's an Eagle Scout and doesn't shut up about it. Um, anyway, it's so a weird flex. It's no. It, I mean, the thing is, no one and also no one in no one in his life is impressed by it. I mean, he can do some cool. Well, anyway, so um, playoff P, playoff P, exactly. Uh, and so, a monk opens up the case file for Joseph Moody, and he's, like, asking questions about it, like, oh, you know, what's going on here? But apparently the Emmy just ruled that it was an accident. Yeah, um, I feel like there should have been a lot more investigation behind the scenes, uh, and judging by what we learned later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, nonetheless, Monk, he's got a feeling about this one. And is it just because he's having an existential crisis? Maybe. But uh, mm-hmm. nonetheless, it's still. A fe- I mean, hey, when Will I Am said, "I got a feeling," he might have just been uh, having an existential crisis too, um, or he had an erection. Also, was that Will I Am who sang that part? I don't know. I don't. Know. Do you know? Do you know all the four members? Obviously, there's Fergie, Will I Am. Do you remember the other? There's two? Apple, D App. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh fuck! I forgot it's what the other one. Game. It's like it's a board game. Well, that's Jenga? actually not a board. No, it's not actually not a board game, but it's like a board game type thing. It's Parcheesi. Um, it was a uh, short-running FX TV show that I think Tom Hardy was in. Um, oh, ta- ta- Tattoo? Taboo. Wait, taboo. Taboo. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Shots to Taboo. Um, Never I, watched yeah. that. Uh, I didn't watch it either. I just knew that it was a thing. Um, I hope that they're... As a joke I've made before, I hope that they're doing well at whatever retail position. No, that's not true. They definitely still have a lot of money. Um, and so... They end up going to the Moody household, um, and they tell Moody's niece, you know, we just have to sign off on this, because she's like, I thought this was already closed up, which is like, I, they, they're cl- some are slowly lying when he says we just need to sign off on it, but they probably should. Like, that probably feels like a good idea, that, because it, it, it seems like no one's been to the crime scene, because, like, the stuff with, like, the wheels and shit, it feels like someone would have noticed if they actually had a real crime scene investigation. Right. It, it just, yeah, it's crazy to me, but yeah, I guess, you know, it, that's what needed to happen. As usual. Well, I mean, and the thing is, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that someone just did a bad job. Like, literally, I think with a lot of older people, I think they they just don't investigate at all. Like, I think that that's the thing people don't realize. Yeah, they think it's like an sh- uh, open and shut case. Yeah, I think people think that every single death is investigated, like, with a crime, but only if there's a suspected homicide. And so if an old person falls down the stairs, there is no crime scene investigation at all, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, the yeah, game just, is the game. They just bring in the crime scene cleaners. Um 
which I don't know if you've seen the film Sunshine Cleaning. Watch a few years ago. I have ago. seen it's that. Okay. It's, 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 it's fun. It's, I it, saw it when it came out. I, I it's, wouldn't it's know. Fine. It has one of the most annoying, precocious children I've ever seen in a movie, but that's whatever. Um, and also all Later. precocious children are annoying. But um, anyway, so we learned that they're selling this house um, because there's no like next of kin to take it. Um, and Monk, he, you can tell he's enthused because he asks if the floors are Douglas fir. Yeah, you know, he's starting to um, he's starting to figure out that this place doesn't seem so bad, um, maybe even for himself. Yes, um, and so Stalman and Disher are, like, asking important questions, like, about how he was taking tribiterol, which is a drug, which I don't know if it's real, but um, Monk is noticing that it's incredibly clean, because apparently the uncle was very compulsive about dusting and cleaning and polishing. Yeah, um, compared to what we find out later about Mr. Joseph Moody, he's uh, he's pretty squeaky clean when it comes to house mm-hmm. upkeep. Yes, um, and they're like, but I thought we couldn't walk. How did he get up the stairs? Apparently, he could walk a little bit, which is pretty common for like people in that. Because if he doesn't have like a spinal injury, there's no like you know most older people who are in wheelchairs can physically move their legs. It's just a question of if they have like the muscular stamina and stuff like that and coordination. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I I'm mostly talking out of my ass, but my mother has worked at nursing home since I've been alive, so I think I have a vague idea. Um, You're more qualified than most other people on Twitter. That is, uh, ah, yeah, probably. Um, which is like that's actually my, my my base of knowledge on almost every single subject is that I'm not I am by no means an expert, but I'm slightly more qualified than most people on Twitter. Um, which can, you know I like I, being there. Yeah, uh, it's a, so- a sweet spot. And Monkley wants to know if the roof is new. And because he's thinking that he might want to buy it. Yeah, you know, uh, the only bad thing here is that he, like, is clearly telling a woman, uh, or asking a, a grieving woman about the state of the roof, and she's like, what? But, uh, yeah, he's going to buy the house. Um, and so Monk has another question. Does anyone play piano nearby? And she says, I don't know, but the walls are so thick you couldn't hear. Yeah, I mean, I guess the exterior walls are because <laughs> the interior ones are not that fucking yeah. robust. No. Uh, and, you know, Stalmeyer rightfully is like, Monk, don't buy a house on an impulse. You know, uh, this is a dumb idea. But Monk doesn't listen because he never listens. Right. So, I mean, yeah. So, exactly. He's come, I mean, we'll find out later. But, yeah, he basically has his mindset on it. Mm-hmm. But we get to the most important interesting development to me so mm-hmm. far um they go to uh mr bell's office it's another dr. therapist bell. He, didn't, he did not spend sorry his time dr bell school, if you call mr yeah um, dr bell dr bell uh whose name is dr nevin bell which natalie points out is a good thing because it's a palindrome which good point natalie honestly i you know always looking out yes uh, good for her and he monk Dispute saying it's not a true palindrome because the N is capitalized. That's dumb. That's not how palindromes work, and he should know that. Um, yeah. And, and you know, Natalie's like, but Dr. Kroger's name was Charles. That's not a palindrome. And I love the answer. It was to me. But then we meet Dr. Bell, who's played by none other than the incomparable Hector Elizondo. Um, you know, uh, do you have any thoughts on Hector Elizondo, or is he just a guy? Uh, you know, <laughs> I... I've seen him in so many things. Mm-hmm. Could I name any of them? No, probably not. He's. I think he's probably. I his most important role probably like he's. I think he's been on a bunch of TV shows. I think there's like Chicago Hope for a while. But I think of him in Pretty Woman probably more than anything. Um, oh yeah, he wasn't. He's that. like the Hell Tell guy. Um, I think he's also in the two Princess Diaries films, where I have not seen. 
Um, there's more uh, Princess Diaries ones? Well, there's only two. Yeah, I said, did I say first or I said there's two? You said, the, oh, whatever. It oh, I matter. meant to just say the two. Princess Diaries and Princess Diaries 2, a royal engagement. Um, oh, yeah. okay, sorry. I was thinking about the other the other diary one, the old what? one. The what? What other diary one? The Princess Bride? Oh, the Princess Bride, okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Rosando is not in that. Um, Wallace Shawn is in it and he's bald, but that doesn't do anything. I've only seen, okay, I'm going through his thing and I've only seen him in, unfortunately, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense because that was also directed by Gary Marshall, who did Pretty Woman. Anyway, continue. Uh, ooh. Uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, beaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is about it as far as movies mm-hmm. go. Anyway, Hector Lozondo, good guy, big fan. Um, yeah. And he's, you know, really good to Monk. Monk shakes his hand and he immediately pulls out a wipe. He's got Summit Creek, which is apparently Monk's brand now because they lost the Sierra Springs thing, which, honestly, I think they should have dropped it. Like, I get that. This is just another thing of this just not being the same era of TV. Because in this day and age of TV, they never would do this because people care too much. But back in, like, 2008, they never thought anyone cared. Yeah, right. Um, not only does he have the water that he likes, um, he fills it up halfway, which mm-hmm. is apparently how Monk likes to drink water. I'd never noticed that, but great. Mm-hmm. Um, half filled or half empty? What What are you? Me, I'm half filled because, not because I'm optimistic necessarily. I am. That is part of it. But also because who? It's a, that's just like the less descriptive way of describing. It. Like if you're adding water to something, you're you filling would call it. it half filled. If I was if I filled it up to the top and I was drinking it, then I would call it half empty. But like it's a matter of perspective. I I, not, I never really understood that. Like if you're filling up something, you never would say like, cause even if you only filled it up quarter way, you would say it's a quarter filled cause you're filling it up anyway. Yeah. Um, um, but for me personally, I feel like he's trying a little bit too hard correct. at first. So yeah. 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 Um, and so we learn that, uh, Monk says that he's tired cause he hasn't been sleeping and he blames it on, um, well, he says he's the piano, he's, he's, he, the piano. but the problem, and then when has the piano started a year ago, which that doesn't really add up. Yeah, because it's only like a recent development that it's pissing him off. Um, and, you know, the introspective man that he is, Dr. Nevin Bell, points out that maybe it's because uh, it, it's only bothered him since his buddy Charles Kroger uh, dies. Mm-hmm. Or died, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense. But also, we, we I don't know if this happened before or after, but was it where like he Monk noticed the painting from? Um, yes. Oh, right. Yeah, Dr. He, has the, he has a painting from Dr. Kroger's office. Because that's the first thing that makes, like, yeah. Dr. Bell not sit well with him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, but Monk, like, kind of sing songs the pia- the song. I forget exactly what it's. But Bell points out that it's Chopin and that Dr. Kroger always played Chopin in his office. And maybe that's reminding him of him. And that's what's making him not able to sleep, which um, Monk calls crazy talk. Even though that is, like, the most rudimentary <laughs> Psychoanalyzation of all time, <laughs> right? And uh, not only that, but he, you know, it upsets him enough to want to seek another therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just didn't rub him the right way. Exactly. Um, and he gets up, but then he realizes he can't leave early because Natalie would kill him. Right, and uh, rightfully so. I'm sure they've. I mean, at this point, I know that we know about two of them, but in between that, I'm pretty sure they've seen more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, she, uh, she, her time is valuable as well. Mm-hmm. So they just sit, and then we cut to Monk at a hardware store, um, and he is upset because he's looking for a shower head that has a hundred holes in it as opposed to ninety eight. Um, 
and then he starts oversharing about Dr. Kroger dying. And you know what he says? You know, Dr. Kroger, Charles Kroger, some people called him Chuck. And you know who some yep. people is? It's you and I, baby. That's Chucky right. Krogs. Rest That's in peace. right. Yep. And then uh, mm-hmm. the guy, the worker, goes somewhere else. But then Monk gets approached by none other than Honest Jake Phillips, played by Brad Garrett, a.k.a. I mean, born as Brad Gerstenfeld. I don't remember why I know that off the top of my head, but I do. Uh, and he offers to drill a couple more holes into the shower head. Yeah. Um, you know, he seems to be a very nice man. You know, he's kind of appealing to Monk because uh, he's mm-hmm. willing to indulge his, you know, Mm-hmm. Weird request. Yep. And uh, luckily for him, he uh, he happens to be a handyman, and he uh, hands him his card. Uh, he you know guesses correctly that he's a new homeowner and that he's gonna need some help, mm-hmm. probably. And then so we cut to Monk with some movers, and Monk is being very micromanaging to the movers. Mm-hmm. Um, this scene irritated me. Yeah, this pissed me off a lot. Um, I would kill someone if they. Uh, if I was a mover and they micromanage like this, um, I have to give a, I have to give uh, Tony Shalhoub a ton of credit because he actually what it looks like expels a ton of energy in this scene, like just bouncing back and forth, and it just yes. honestly made me very tired. Yes, he definitely is doing a lot, and uh, yeah, and then we cut to him giving Natalie a tour, um, and you know it's a nice looking house. It's a nice you know older house. Um, I could see... Nicer than Ambrose's. Yeah, that is true. Um, and but Monk is very cautious. Like, he's telling Natalie not to touch the molding, not to stand still on the rug. Yeah, even though, like, he goes into the room right after that and stands around as well. That was like, okay. And, uh, you know, Natalie makes a good point. She's like... For whatever reason, he's giving off this weird sense of... He's like calm, but also he's still. He's just also so drunk. clearly overcompensating. Is the thing right, right, right? So she like you know basically says that you know maybe you're just like Sotomayor, like maybe you're rushing into this, maybe you're not ready, mm-hmm. Um, and that it's kind of bizarre. Like well, she doesn't say it like that, but she says that it's interesting that like he doesn't seem to miss his old apartment because that's where he and Trudy lived. You know, mm-hmm. he was so easy, so quick to move on for the, in this regard. Exactly. And so Monk is like, no, I've matured, you know, I'm, he's, he's really laying it on thick. And Natalie points out that this is an old house, and there's going to be problems, and you're responsible for it, you know? And that is 100% true. Old houses, they got problems, you know? Um, but Monk insists that he's just happy to be home. And so Natalie grabs some sparkling cider to do a toast, and as they're about to toast, Monk notices something absolutely terrible. Yeah, apparently the light fixture in the dining room appears to be about three to four inches off center. Yes. Now, the thing is, this actually, in a dining room, is actually kind of a problem because if there's a table in the middle of the room, it needs to be in the middle of it. Like, I actually... Right. It. This is something that I would definitely get moved. Like, I actually don't think that this is an unreasonable thing to get fixed. Correct. No, you're right. Uh, that's true. Um, in another room, so, like in like a regular living room, if the light fixture is not perfectly centered, that's one thing. But if it has to be over a table, you, it, the light fixture can't be over the head of the table and not in the middle of it. That just would be weird. Anyway. Right. Uh, so um, so Natalie, you know, she's going to try to fix it. But, uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. So she does fix it. She, like, fixes the alignment in some weird way. No, and she then, moves the table. Oh, she moves the table. Oh, right, 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 right. She but then the, the problem is that now the table isn't in the middle of the rug. Which is an easier thing to fix. 
Yes, but they, I mean, I think you still because then if yeah, you regardless, the rug, regardless, then the rug is not yes. in the middle of the room. Yes, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a problem. It's that compounding. Can't be fixed. Yeah. So we then cut to uh, honest Jake is there and he's looking at the light fixture, um, and Monk is really nervous about all this, uh, and he had unhooks the light fixture and he sees oh, and he says, "Uh oh, apparently the wires are all frayed." Now, obviously, we learn in hindsight that he's lying, but each one of these individual things, if there was a house that was, like, you know, 80 years old, it's completely believable that the wires in a light factory would be frayed. Like, I, I understand how Monk is... There's a certain point where I think Monk should be credulous, but to begin with, if if you were oh, bought a new house that was really old, and a guy said, hey, this chandelier, which looks really old, had frayed wires, you'd probably be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the, the weird thing here, though, is that um, it's like, uh, fuck, I lost it. Um, okay, no, this is what it is. So basically, I feel like Monk would have done a lot of inspection of the house previous to moving sure, in. But maybe because sure. he wasn't in the right mind because of yeah. everything that's happening, yeah. he probably overlooked it at the time. Yes, I think that that's true. But I also think like something like the wiring of a, I don't know, you're right. Um, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's, uh, Jake says he needs to run a new line uh, through the wall across the room. Um, and uh, he says he's like a surgeon, that you, you won't even know, it won't be messy at all. And then, great comedy smash cut to him putting a sledgehammer through a wall. And, uh, uh-oh again, a pipe, the main water pipe is corroded. Yeah, you know, big problem. Mm-hmm. Um... I, like I said, I think at this point would would be when I'm just like, all right, man, can like I yeah. just get a second opinion? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, yeah. I think that because you wanna because it's it's not so much that you think like it's, it's unbelievable. It's like I would rather get someone who like I know is accredited and like who has rather than just a guy I met in the um in the hardware store. But I think that Monk just generally kind of he's too Monk is way too reliant on people that he knows. Like, he doesn't... He just knowing... Him just, like, have met, having met someone makes him more trusting of them. Like, Monk would never call another handyman because he's like, but I've met Honest Jake. Why would I need another one? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. I just... For me, I'm, like, also, like... Is Monk, like, secretly loaded? Or, like, what's the deal here? Like, does I don't he have infinite cash when Maybe it comes he, to this? he could be having like loans like you never actually know because he's not responsible financially like if you need be flush with cash quickly and you know i imagine he probably got some assets flush with cash yeah um and but the good (laughs) good news for monk honest jake he's got a great plumber they call him honest ramon um and now honest ramon and honest jake are busting through some walls and this we actually do see that there are some loose wires. So that's not fake. There actually are loose wires in the wall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the way that they're dealing with it is not the way that you do. But No, yeah. it isn't. But um, <laughs> no, you definitely don't just bust through the walls because you probably could, like, you know, mess up the wires even more. Yeah. So you just hired Miley Cyrus on the wrecking ball. Honestly, not that bad an idea. It would definitely get done quicker. Um, and as they're doing all this stuff, Mug... And Natalie are sitting on the stairs, and Monk notices some wheel marks. Yeah, he notices some wheel like tread marks on the stairs, and uh, you know he starts checking out the rest of the stairs, and uh, he finds a part of the wallpaper that had been scratched off. Mm-hmm. Um, so looks like something had been 
up those stairs that was wide enough to like cause some sort of damage. Exactly. So, so yeah, he's thinking something's up with that. Um, and so then he's and, explaining. So he has to get the wheelchair from the garage, yeah. and he's explaining to Natalie, Ramon, and Jake. Um, and Ramon says the classic like, uh, you know, I just I just wrote down you are like a detective, and it just I don't know. It's just so classic uh, for writing a character who's supposed to not be able to speak English well. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I always point that out, but it is always the same thing. Like, oh, you are a detective? Anyway, um, that wasn't not offensive at all. Um, uh, <laughs> so he shows, he lays out all the evidence to them. Yeah, uh, found the tire tracks on the stairs, the wallpaper stuck to the wheelchair. Um, mm-hmm. And then they bring the actual wheelchair into the house. Mm-hmm. And the bottle of the tribiterol, is mm-hmm. that what it was? Yeah. Um, it's there. The only thing is that it's never been opened. Yeah. So unless he was drink like had a different bottle before, which is plausible. But they said he just started on it. So like that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, 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 true. Uh, and so we then cut to uh, Cassie coming home. And bad news for her, Honest Jake is honestly sitting on her couch. Bad news for her, it's just me and you. Dun, 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 you know what I'm saying? No, but... That's um, a Cassie song. Oh, okay. The only, like, Cassie song. My apologies. My apologies. Yeah. Um, but uh, clearly, uh, Jake broke in. And he's the bad news is that, guess who bought the house? Adrian Monk. Um, and not yeah. only that, but Monk is on to... Uh, on to nurse, Cassie. On to Cassie. And... Uh, Obviously, he can't have that. But there's like a like a brief discussion, basically, where we know that they are in cahoots yes. with whatever happened in the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, something that Joseph was hiding onto. Exactly. And then so uh, Jake gets close to her and he stabs her to death, which um, you know is pretty easy because Brad Garrett is like you know one of the he's un- unusually tall for an actor. He's like six eight, so um, you know. Yeah, always gonna have the uh, the advantage over whoever he's. Damn, to he is six eight. He's like James Com- uh, James Comey. I know. Yeah, it's it is, like he's not just like tall for he's like giant for an actor. Um, Dude, he should have uh, he should have hooped. But yeah, why well, he should have hooped instead of living with Raymond? Uh, well, his, Raymond's <laughs> parents. Um, and so because uh, he's tall as hell. He tall as hell exactly. And so. We then cut to Monk, Natalie, Disher, and Stombauer are going to Cassie's place to talk to her. Um, and uh, Monk is saying the house is a nightmare. Why didn't you warn me? We did warn you. Why didn't you tie me up and shoot me in the leg? Which I think is funny. I mean, I'm glad he clarified that since Stoudemire took put two in his chest last time mm-hmm. we saw this go mm-hmm. down. Yeah, so they start knocking on the door. And then you realize that uh, Disher and Stoudemire are... Telling jokes to each other in Morse code uh, by knocking. And, of course, Natalie gets it because her husband was in the Navy. Yeah. yeah I mean, that works. I, I, it tracks. Yeah. Um, and the door is open, though. And real not great sight. They open up the door, and the dead body is just right in the eye line. Yeah. Uh, you know, as we saw, Cassie's dead. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this officially uh, looks very suspicious. Yes, and so we, the scene's, uh, you know, tied off, and they haven't found a murder weapon, but the coroner says that it is probably a knitting needle. Right, um, and judging from what the police have mis- investigated as well, uh, it looks to be some sort of apparent robbery, or a burglary, but as Monk points out, 
like everything was like turned over and stuff, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look like anything was like ever searched or yeah. rifled through. Mm-hmm. So it clearly was made to look like a robbery. Exactly. And in her bedroom, they find an envelope with four grand of twenties uh, and fifties, and they're all from 1967, 1966, and some of them have sequential serial numbers, which is strange that you'd find so many old bills like that in circulation. Um, I mean, yes and no. Like, yes. No, if like, you found an envelope of just 1967 and 66 bills, that'd be weird. Well, no, obviously it is. But also, like, as someone that worked at a bank, like, we would get requests all the time for sequential bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So some people, like, hold on to that shit. Like, people that, like, That's Social true. Security, they take their money out. Like, they don't trust banks and stuff. So it's it's not yeah, that, that is implausible. True. But it, it is, if it, it, in the context of someone who was murdered, that is an interesting thing to find in their Absolutely. House. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. there are non-nefarious reasons to have that. But you always have to assume that something nefarious is going on, you know, when someone's murdered. Um, right. So Stott's gonna Stott's yeah. gonna reach out to the treasury to yeah. get some background info. Maybe yeah. they can trace those sequential bills. Yeah. And so the monk's back at his place, and uh, he's dusting, and he's really overwhelmed. And Jake has some good news from though. Is it that the house is they're done? Nope. It's that Ramon's getting married. Congratulations, Ramon. Yeah, that's great. Um, I hope they have a long and fruitful marriage. Well, bad news about that coming up, but um, <laughs> additionally, Jake found some mold, um, and Monk wants to now kick them out, because he's clearly at the end of his rope, but Jake is like, do you want to live with, it's fine, but if you want to live with spores. And Drake, and, uh, sorry, Drake, and uh, Jake and Drake is really throwing me for a loop, uh, and Monk replies, forget it, Jake, it's mold town. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, and we cut to then uh, Jake literally jackhammering in uh in the, the living bathroom. room which is oh uh, it's the living room uh i might have i don't remember it i think it's a bathroom because he wouldn't jackhammer through that's wood. true you're right uh and there's natalie and monk are sitting there and then ramon brings down a box that was in the attic um and there's a scrapbook of sorts that just has a bunch of old newspaper clippings like yeah random ones that like have nothing to do with what somebody would consider interesting news yeah and then so Stoudemire and Disher are talking to a guy at the, the Hampton Street Depository. And basically the guy says, you know, this happened when my dad was working here. You know, it happened forever ago. Uh, you know, I don't really know anything about it. But apparently they stole $4 million. And Disher says, you know, then that was a lot of money back then. And Stoudemire gives him a look. And I saw it because in like the Amazon trivia thing, they point out that when this episode came out in 2007 like, or eight, and $4 million in 1968 money... 40 years later was like 24 and a half million dollars so it is a lot more money it's not like like he looks at Disher like he's an idiot but I, that yeah is a no lot of money absolutely um yeah I, I didn't notice that look to be quite honest oh, okay uh, um, but but they also they also mentioned that um yeah four million dollars was taken and none of it was ever recovered mm-hmm. until now um but not only that Two out of the three people that were involved have been caught so at this point we're all guessing that the third was our boy, Joseph Moody. Exactly. And so we cut back to the home, and a bunch of more walls are getting busted open, and then Monk is looking at the scrapbook, and he pulls one of the newspaper clips out, and he sees it on the other side is a headline talking about the heist. Oh, wow. This is a you know, secret scrapbook. I don't know why you would keep a scrapbook with all these clippings, but people are stupid. So, um... I still don't... I don't get why, why it would have been scrapped like that. 
Oh, because he clearly was trying to hide the fact that that's what it was supposed to be. Like, he didn't want people to know that he had all those. But was he scrapping that because he knew that at some point he knew he wanted to, like, find that's, the money? That's what I was going to say. That's, that's what I mean. Like, there's no real explanation. Now, in real life, people do weird shit like that all the time. Like, murderers have keep headlines about themselves. Like, that's a very common thing. So I'm not... It's dumb, but I don't think it's a rational thing to do. It's, it's clearly some type of, like, trophy that he... But he's proud of it, but he can't keep it on display because he doesn't want to get caught. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess. But anyway, Monk also sees something else. He sees what looks like a knitting needle in Honest Jake's uh, bag. Yeah, uh, but it appears to... I mean, it looks like an ice pick. I don't know what kind of tool that would be. But he pulls it out of the bag, and he's looking it over with Natalie. And unfortunately for them, Honest Jake catches them in the act. And, uh, you know, he just stopped by Popeye, so he's got the biscuit on him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I got bad news. They didn't really call me Honest Jake. Uh and so then, Which was an honest thing for him to say. In it that was moment. an honest thing for him to say. And so we cut back after the commercial break, and Jake and Ramon are breaking down more walls and ceilings as Monk and Natalie are tied to the bathtub in uh, the bathroom. Which is a nice looking tub, by the way. Um, it yeah, looks like the tub nice. in a, that you it, that two old people sit in on a Cialis commercial. Um, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I guess. I mean, add us if I'm wrong. I'm just saying. Um, and but basically Natalie's like oh obviously they're looking for the money clearly this guy hid the money in the house and they he babbled about it to his nurse who Monk says was probably sex lovers with Honest Jake yeah I appreciate this um, this this thing coming up again recurring joke um, so in the middle of like them being chained up uh, Monk, I guess, at some point had noticed that there was a nail sticking out of the wall. So he wants Natalie to go over and reach over a hammer to what she thinks is going to be their salvation. But it's actually he really needed to get that nail in. It's a classic Monk bit. This happens every right, time right. Monk's in trouble. He always does something like this. Right. Uh, like sewing his own pocket while he's running, which exactly. seems extremely dangerous. But anyways, um, so while he's doing this, he notices uh, some sort of like damage or uh, how would you describe it something that seems to indicate that the wall is not is a false wall right yeah i'm not really sure but um Um, yeah but yeah it's clearly a false wall of some kind and unfortunately honest jake notices him looking into that and then honest jake not an idiot he's pretty smart he puts it together himself he's like oh it's a false wall that's why the light wasn't centered because the original wall was a different place um right and so uh, there they start busting into the wall, and when you know it, there's a whole lot of cash. Uh, yeah, I mean they hit jackpot, baby. They got it. Reminded me a lot of uh, the. I don't know if you watch. I mean, I would be shocked if you didn't. But you watched the 2018 film Triple Frontier, right? Or 2019? Oh uh, yeah, yes. That, yeah. Whenever I think of, there's a lot of cash in those walls. Um, that was only that was three years ago. I, I felt like that was like last year. I think it was 2019. Okay. Let me double check. Um, but yeah, so, and then of course Ramon's like, what are you going to do with your share? And then, uh, bad news for Ramon. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, yeah, he gets killed. I mean, there's no yeah. other way of saying it. He shoots yeah, him Yeah, it was 2019, death. by the way. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he gets killed. So Honest Jake is, you know, he's a man, he, he, he's not sharing with nobody. Um, and. Not Cassie, not Ramon. Yep. And so Monk and Natalie end up pulling the tub over. Because Monk realizes something about the wall, since it's a false wall. And so what he ends up doing is they 
kick over the wall and knock Jake out. Yeah, they, they, they knock him out, but obviously he's a big guy, so they know it's not going to last very long. So, you know, they get to, you know, pushing the tub out or pushing them, you know, moving the tub so that they're able Only to get further into the house. Only Natalie's the important thing. Correct. It just continues to be the worst. Uh, mm-hmm. Poor woman. Um, so eventually they find themselves, like, close to, like, the living room area. And... Yeah, the, well, the problem, they can't get to the front door because there's stairs. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. But they can get to the fireplace, so... You know, we got a little hint of it when they were doing their Morse code stuff. Mm-hmm. So Natalie decides she's going to send some smoke signals. Yeah, she's going to light up a rag. And, yeah, uh, not and, bad. Yeah. And so we then cut back to the depository, and they get confirmation that Joseph Moody worked at the depository. And in, fun, in fact, he actually just lived a couple blocks away. And Stommer says, Huh, oh, friend just bought that. You know, my friend just bought that house. And they look over, and they see... Uh, some smoke coming out of the fireplace. And in this case, where there's smoke, there's some metaphorical fire. And also literal fire. There is a fire being burned. Um, <laughs> but they're like sounding out like S, S, O, and oh, soda. Someone's selling soda, which I love this. He's, <laughs> uh, but then and he loves his soda. And then uh, Stobmeyer's like, oh, it's Natalie. She's in trouble. And so then Jake comes stumbling over. Um, you know, looking like a horror movie villain because he's, you know, just giant. Um, yeah, lumbering, I would yeah. say. And he's, but he's still got the biscuit on him, and mm-hmm. um, he's about to shoot him. Yeah, he's about to shoot him, but, uh, you know, Sotomayor and Disher get there right on time because, you know, he lived super close to the treasury mm-hmm. uh, building. Yeah. Um, and Stadmar looks around and says, holy moly, what happened here? Monk says, I should have never bought this house. I should have waited for something better. Yeah, which is what everyone else said before. Yeah, which is what everyone else, besides the death part, mentioned earlier. So we cut back to Monk is at Dr. Bell's office, Mm -hmm. you know? He needed a therapist, He um, and he goes back to him, I guess. Uh, I don't know why or whatever, but good. Eh, He's a good guy. I mean, I like Dr. Bell. Well, yeah, he's a good guy. He's obviously no Chucky Kroger, but I'll say this. I'm not... I don't look derisively upon Dr. Bell. He did the best. I think he did the... He is as good a character as he could have been, um, given okay. the circumstances. Um, like, right. I, have, I have no ill will towards Dr. Bell. I don't know what the regular... I don't either. I don't know what the rest of the Monk fandom does, but I think that Hector Elizondo steps in, and I think he does a fine job. Um, and he asks him what the happiest memory he has of his father. And Monk mentions that they took, he went to a football game once, and apparently Monk's dad said, every time the team huddled up, they're talking about you. Which is <laughs> just genuinely... Which is this. a... It's just a weird ass thing to say. It's really to, mean. Yeah, like good. Oh, that was uh, what was his name again? Uh, Dan Hedaya. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that makes sense now. Yeah, my dad's a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, apparently their time then their time's up, and um, they're gonna reschedule the next appointment. And like, what's time's good for you? How about three? Three o'clock today. So Monk Basie, he's wants to keep seeing him a lot, like same day with Kroger. Yeah, he's got a new shrink, and uh, and that's good. And so, finally, Monk's back at his old apartment, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we are? Yep. And uh, he's reading a book or something, and he starts to hear the sweet tickling of the ivories, and uh, he doesn't care anymore. He's, uh, well, he he's coming no, to... he just doesn't care. He opens up the window and sits near it. He wants to hear it. Correct. Yeah, he's uh, in, like, you know, some sort of uh, display of him coming to terms with what happened to Charles Kroger and, and him finding somebody new. Uh, you know, it was a very nice scene and to, to wrap it all up. to a photo of Chucky Krogh 
And then in loving memory of Stanley Campbell, um, rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, great guy. Uh, he was survived by no wife and no children. Um, sad in stuff. real life? Yeah. Okay. Sad stuff. Uh, but anyway, what do you give this upset out of 10? Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. I gave it a 7.5. I think it just, it's kind of just like an okay episode for me. Um, it doesn't really stick in my mind that much, except I just remembered Honest Jake Phillips. Um, okay, that's actually not true. I, for some reason, remembered as Honest Jake Roberts, but that's Jake the Snake Roberts, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, it's fine, but it's a good start to Season 7, you know? Season seven's here, uh, and it's not going anywhere, except when we get to the end of it, and then in that case, we're going to be on Season 8. But, uh... I can't believe we're here, man. That's so crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's what, when you get two episodes a week, that's what happens, and if you want to keep following us, be follow us on Twitter, at StrictlyMonk, and Andre, when people follow you. You can follow me at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the Jake Christie. Please rate, review, subscribe. Share the show with the biggest monk fan in your life and the second and the third, fourth, and all the way down to the sixth biggest monk fan in your life. The seventh biggest monk fan in your life probably won't like this podcast, but six probably still will. Um, but more important than all that, tune in next week as we talk about Mr. Monk and the genius. Let's get monkey. Let's get monkey.